2: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: This historic pick, first time ever the Chicago Blackhawks have had the first pick, and we proudly select Patrick Kane. What's up, Chicago?
4: going down the slide, he's got the puck. Score! Oh, boy! First NHL goal. Patrick Kane, a spin around, a backhand, he scores! Patrick Kane putting on a show on St. Patty's weekend for Savoie Fair. Is
5: that a Superman Kane? He is Clark Kent and Superman
4: all at once. That's not fair. Kane, backhand shot, he scores! A playoff, Patrick. Playoff performances create superstars. You've got one in the making here. What chaos! Patrick Kane with the shot. Where it has gotten to the Blackhawks, what you have just seen. One of the more unusual finishes, but it's a goal. The Stanley Cup to the Chicago Blackhawks. He's a big time player. He's got hardware now to back it up. Conn Smythe Trophy
1: winner. And the Hart Trophy goes to Patrick Kane. Two
4: seconds and one. For this to be at home, for the third time in six years, the Blackhawks are Stanley Cup champions. Keane delays, he'll drag it, his shot, he scores! That's 400 for Patrick Kane. That's 1,000 points for Patrick Kane. And look at the mob scene! The
2: bench is going to empty! That's hockey, baby!
5: Back, Codwick Sports Radio 6-7 to score. I'm David Hall, along with... Mark Grody talking hockey here at Kaiser Tiger 1415 West Randolph. Thank you to MGM for putting this all together and celebrating Chelly, who's jersey number seven, goes into the rafters when the Red Wings play with the Blackhawks at 5 o'clock. The ceremony is at 315, and it is a pleasure to talk hockey all day long. We're trying to connect with Dale Talon, whose voice you heard making the pick for the Blackhawks back when they drafted Patrick Kane number one overall. Today is a great day because Connor Bedard, who was the next guy, picked number one overall, and that bridge between Patrick Kane and Connor Bedard, it covered a lot of ground and it covered a lot of success. Three cups and then a scandal and then rebuilding and here's Bedard and the ceiling for Connor Bedard is What Patrick Kane has accomplished, I think when you look at what people expect from him, that's a lot to say. That's a mouthful to say that Patrick Kane's career is what Connor Bedard can become. And yet nobody, I don't I don't want to say nobody, but most of the people that have seen Connor Bedard play this year wouldn't hesitate in agreeing with that
6: assessment. He is that good that soon. You can see the skill you can see the presence of mind the puck handling ability that Connor Bedard has that was like the to me watching a lot of Patrick Kane's games is what stood out to me is when he had the puck you felt comfortable you trusted him with it you knew he was going to make the right pass obviously make the right shot make a lot of goals the really impressive part about Patrick Kane, and this is something that, assuming we do hook up with, with Dale Talon, who drafted him and longtime broadcaster as well, is that you, you look at somebody like that, he, can't, he was, it was, a, it was kind of a no-brainer pick. I mean, Patrick Kane was the undisputed number one guy that year as well. He lived up to expectations it's pretty rare when a number one overall in any sport or even guy, you know, let's just even say top five or that or that big free agent, when they absolutely one hundred percent uh live up to expectations and with the three cups even more. So to come in with that kind of pressure at that age, eighteen years old, eighteen or nineteen when he came into the league, he and Taves were both teenagers when they came into the league. And that and I know like Kane had his issues for sure, but I'll be damned if that guy didn't live up to every ounce of the expectation that was put on him.
5: I think he did. I think that's a good way to look at it, Mark. I think when you talk about when they arrived at the same time, Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane, it was always Kays and Taze, Taze and, K- and Kane, yep. Kane and Taze. I mean, whichever one you wanted to put first. And for a while in town, there was that debate which one could you live without? The hard, we, we, who's the most indispensable Blackhawk? Who's the most valuable Blackhawk? And I think it went back and forth. You know, Jonathan Taze was probably the best captain in Blackhawk history. Maybe Sam Makita, people can, you know, I think it's generational. It's difficult to compare eras. But the Kane-Taze dynamic was one that was comparable in Chicago lingo, in Chicago tradition. It was Jordan and Pippen mm-hmm. because they won six and Kane and Taze won three. But it was, it was comparable to, to that. They had the chemistry. They had the, the innate ability to know where each other was going to be on the ice. They didn't always play together on the same line. When Joe Quindle <laughs> arrived, he decided to split them up, and that made a lot of sense. Kaner was your second-line uh, second wing, and obviously uh, Jonathan Taze was your first-line center. And I think they had this idea that when they needed them, it was like break glass in case of emergency. Yes, yes. That's when you it was went the nuclear option. Nuclear option. <laughs> and that's when they were able to bring the hawks back or do the things that they did. And I think the difference in them, another one of many differences, probably between the two, Patrick Kane did everything with flair. There was a lot of pizzazz. There was a lot of you know it was showtime, and. It was Showtime and Captain Sirius. So they had very different personalities that played each other ve- off each other very well. And I think that's why, to me, I respected Jonathan Tate as much as anybody. And I also think that Patrick Kane is a guy that I liked watching more than anybody. So you can appreciate both. And certainly our next guest can relate to that. Because Dale Talon was a general manager that selected Patrick Kane, the general manager who also was in the front office when Chris Chelios was a Blackhawk for the last season in Chicago, can relate to a lot what we're talking about today. Dale, thank you for joining us here on The Score with David Hall and Mark Grody here until 3 o'clock. How are you doing today? And and when we talk about drafting Patrick Kane, what kind of memories does that uh, produce in your mind?
3: Well, um, it's sheer sheer joy, you know, and and, uh, just gratitude uh, that those kids were able to live up to their expectations and do it with flair and panache and passion and, um, uh, you know, the, with love for each other too, you know, it was, a, it was a great team that got along really well. I think, uh, you know, Jonathan being a Canadian and, and, uh, Cantor being an American at first, you'd think, well, the different upbringings, there might be different, uh, in the room, you know, but it worked. They, they respected and liked each other a lot. And, and, uh, Performed differently, but performed with the same passion and desire to win, and uh, it, that's what made it so great—the uh, coming together, you know, as a team.
6: Dale, you mentioned living up to expectations, and I think it's really hard for athletes in general to live up to expectations, let alone as Patrick Kane was, as Eric, uh, as Connor Bedard was, the number one overall pick. How impressive is it that Patrick Kane lived up to all the hype and then more?
3: Well, that's the, you know, that's the question, Mark, when you're drafting so, uh, so high and you're first overall. You know, a lot of guys crumble under that pressure. Um, but he handled it, and you can tell that's why we took him first overall when we won the lottery. You know, we saw him play in, in tough situations in the Ontario League with London and uh, he was fearless, you know, and, and he knew he, he could handle, handle this and handle the fame. And that's the big part of it. You know, a lot of these kids that might have more ability, but handling being the first overall pick is, a, is not an easy chore for a 17, 18-year-old kid, as we all know. And, you know, when you're 17, 18, I, you know, that's why I'm glad I had loafers because I couldn't tie my shoes, you know, so at that age. But these kids really grew into men in a hurry, and it was great to see.
5: Dale, even though you weren't necessarily surprised that he lived up to the hype because of this skill set, I, I do think when you draft somebody like that, do you know immediately that this is somebody who's capable of, of putting together a Hall of Fame career that can be the, you know, the best player on a championship team? I mean, it, it, it's easy to say now that, boy, all that talent was there, but did you see something special, or how early was it in the evaluation process that you saw that special quality in Patrick Kane?
3: Well, saw in a playoff game. Rick Dudley and I he got hammered by Jared Bowl and Jared Bull was six four two twenty, and he hammered him and he hit him, and uh, he got up and uh, got two goals and two assists, and they won four nothing. And uh, you know that's when we knew that he was special.
6: Dale, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that that definitely hammers at home for sure. Dale, just going in a, in a slightly different direction here. Um, for for many for for people who don't know Dale Talon obviously an executive in the NHL now was a Blackhawks GM and before that many years as a Blackhawks before Eddie Olczyk there was Dale Talon who was great as well had awesome Chemistry with Pat Foley, he was a blast to listen to. I listen, I learned a lot of hockey from Dale Talon. Chris Chelios is number seven, being retired very close to us where we are right now, the west side of Chicago today. What do you think of when you think of uh, Chris Chelios and calling a lot of his games as you did? Did we lose Dale? Did we lose Dale. We have lost Dale. I bet Dale really liked him though. That'd be my guess. <laughs> <laughs> my guess is that. I he thought he was neat. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah, calling Chelios games would be a, a lot of fun yeah. because he was one of those guys that liked to mix it up. And Dale Talon would, wasn't shy in, in uh, mixing it up a little bit, offering some strong opinions. And he just he, we'll try to reconnect with, with Dale Talon. Yeah. I think that when you look at that team that was put together in 2010, the one that won the first of three cups, he had a lot to do with those guys. He had a lot to do with the the core of putting it together. He mentioned Kane and Tays, and here he's back. And and Mark Grody asked you, Dale, thank you for rejoining us here about what it was like to call games for Chris with Chris Chelios on the ice. Well,
3: it was never a dull moment. I right? you know he just loved his passion, and uh, he wasn't going to be outworked. Uh, uh, he won every battle. I mean, he just had this drive and desire, and and the fearlessness, you know, he, he played the game the way it was supposed to be played, just all in every shift. And it was fun to watch him play with such you know, I I look at a kid in Florida and Matthew Kachuk plays the same way. You know, they're they're just absolutely fearless and, and no one nothing will deter them they'll win every battle they possibly can. And and that's a lot of a lot of joy to watch guys that are so committed to their profession like they are.
5: So, Dale, also you were in the front office during Chris's last season as a Blackhawk. What was that like in terms of the goodbye? Because who would have thought that he would go to Detroit and play into his late 40s, win a couple cups, and be the kind of former Red Wing that they're very proud of as well in the enemy territory. But when he was the last season as a Blackhawk, was that a smooth departure, or how would you describe it?
3: Well, it wasn't easy. I mean, this is the guy that you want to build your team around. But the th- we were rebuilding, and we needed to get some assets. And the team wasn't going anywhere. And this was an opportunity for not only for us to get some assets back, but for him to go. Scotty Bowman was the coach. Detroit had a really good team. He was the missing ingredient for that team. And he went there and, with a chance to win some cups, which he did. And extended his career um, you know, he probably would have been more frustrated staying here, playing with a bunch of young guys that were, you know, not quite ready to play yet. So and all in all, it was a, a win-win. And I was happy that Chris was able to have success there and, and do as well as he did and prolonged his career. But, you know, there's never easy trading guys you like and you idolize and you think are fantastic, not only off the ice, but on the ice. And uh, that was, they're, they're never easy, those deals, you know, and uh, it's, it's it's, uh, it's a tough job and uh, it's hard it's hard you know to to make a commitment you know i mean there're going to be contracts this year you know in boston and, and different teams around the league where guys have been there you know what's pittsburgh going to do what's boston going to do with their you know like so you have to be you know dedicated to the to the goal of rebuilding or what you're going to get back and it's never easy you know when when do you pull the plug you know and, and that's that's that was the decision we made, and uh, it worked out for, it worked out for Kelly, which was great.
6: Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. And they the in, in those '90s, the the Blackhawks build it up to the point where they get into the finals against Pittsburgh in in 1994. And I've really asked anybody about this this today because they were swept by Pittsburgh that year. I mean, to me, I look at that as one of those like Chicago moments where you had, like, I really thought they had a chance to win it that year. But what, what do you remember from that Pittsburgh series? And in the big picture, how disappointing was it that they weren't able to make a dent in those finals?
3: Well, uh, the games were a lot closer than, you know, the four, four zip uh, outcome. You know, we uh, won 12 in a row. To get to the finals, and then um, uh, trailed one nothing after the first period in Pittsburgh in the first game, and uh, shot them fourteen to five or something. And then, and then um, their stars took over, you know. And then the last game was a one nothing victory, I believe, from Pittsburgh in in the um, in Chicago. So, um, there, you know, when you get to the finals, it's and you don't achieve your goal. It's really frustrating. It's probably more frustrating than missing the playoffs because you've gone so far and traveled so and done so much and expended so much energy to get there and to have it not get over the mountain like that is really tough to swallow for the rest of the offseason. But it, it was tough. You know, I, I can still remember the backhand shot from Yager, You know, the, the, uh, the shot that you don't see that often from that distance. And, uh, you know, it was a 35, 40-foot backhand shot. Yeah, that was, those th- I think they he's were still a- playing.
5: <laughs> I think he's still playing, Dale. He, he plays forever. He yeah. played yeah. longer than Chelly
3: well we we brought him to florida when i was there and for 3 years and uh, our players our young players like barkov and those guys learn from him his uh, off-ice is same as jelly his off-ice i mean his, nobody trained harder you know like uh Shelley would go out to california and play and run the mountains and uh, do everything necessary you know ride the bike and it's not all those things that great players do to be, become greater uh, you know the determination and the desire um those guys have that, and that's what separates them from guys with maybe more talent. And, and I think that's what Caves and Kane and Keith and, and Seabrook and Shelley and all these guys have. you know. And, and that's, what, that's what separates those, those great players, is the all determination, the love, and the passion. All
5: right, Dale, before we let you go, and this might seem like a ridiculous question, but we're talking about greatness and we're talking about potential and expectations and hype. Is it ridiculous to sit here and watch Conor Bedard through his rookie season, play the way that he has played when healthy, and to wonder if his career one day can be as good as, if not better than, Patrick Kane's. Well,
3: so those are big shoes to fill, but I think this this kid has the ability and the desire and the passion. And as I stated about the other guys before, he has that. He has the X factor. Um, he, he wants to be better already. He he's you know first guy on the ice, last guy off. He, he trains hard. He wants to be the guy. They want the, These great players, they want the puck when the game's on the line, and this kid has that. So, you know, anything can happen, obviously, but he's he's not going to let this go for chance. He's going to really dig in, and he's going to be a great player. You see it already. You know, he still takes over games at his young age with a team that doesn't have a lot of ability around him. You know, and and, uh, and guys are targeting him, and he's still able to, perform and, and get production, so it's fun to see, and I, I think he has a chance to, to, to get to Patrick Kane's level or Jonathan Taves'
5: level. I was going to believe that you never received enough credit for the 2010 Stanley <clears throat> Cup champion Blackhawks, the team that you helped put together, the core that you helped form, so thank you very much for your time, and I hope that people realize just what you have meant to the Blackhawks in your day as well.
3: Well, I appreciate it, and it was a, a, a real joy to, to be here and to work there and do that and see the, uh, what happened. So hopefully they'll get success soon, sooner than later, and get back to that.
5: Dale Talon, former Blackhawk general manager, announcer, and just all-around good guy. Thanks for joining us. Mark Gordy, that was fun.
6: That was great. I mean, it's always feels good to hear from Dale Talon whether, you know, you remember him as a broadcaster or not through a lot of really good times with the Blackhawks and then as a GM and it's it is a shame that he was not able to see it through. There was some financial trouble that was going on, and the, and the Bowmans then step in and kind of get to take it from there. But, yeah, Dale Talon's part was very big in the Blackhawks, all three of their titles, quite he frankly. He was the general
5: manager, before we break here, of the Hawk team that got to the Western Conference Finals and lost to Chris Chelios and Detroit. the Red Wings. Yep, yep. And that was the team that was a year ahead of schedule. Yes, it was. And then in that offseason, and I will remember, remember it like vividly, that there was a big change in the front office, and
6: he was out. Bowman was in,
5: yeah, and Stan Bowman took over. He and got he
3: got
6: them in a little bit of trouble. Dale Talented with the salary cap, you know, in terms okay. of so oh, over you want to be, So you want to be picky. So that's well, fine. I'm just saying, like I'm looking ha- big picture. I'm talking about what happened. I, I, I got a i I'm soft talking spot. about what happened too. Don't make me the bad guy. I'm making <laughs> I, you the villain. I, I got a soft. You spot play the for villain role. I'm trying to tell you what I'm trying to learn. You what happened? Ha! Oh, that's what happened. Hero and the
5: villain here yeah. until three o'clock. We're talking <laughs> hockey at 1415 uh, West Randolph, Come into Kaiser Tiger. We're on yeah. the second floor. Can't wait to eat the cheeseburger that's been oh, set in front of me. I'm hungry. You can order food. You can order drink. You can get ready because the Hawks play the Red Wings at 5 o'clock down the street. Chris Chelios has his jersey retired, number 7 at 315. And thank you to MGM for putting us in this situation where we can enjoy it all. And you can enjoy us for the rest of the show until 3 o'clock. Mark Grody, David Haas, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score.
4: Let's get back to the BetMGM special honoring Chris Chelios. Broadcasting live at Kaiser Tiger, located at 1415 West Randolph. Brought to you by 670 The Score and BetMGM, the king of sports books. Now Cummins works against Babbage in the corner. And a couple of others lock up. It squirts loose to Savard, walks in front of the net center. Telly's running. Right Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Chelios in overtime after the Savard setup. Chelios again with a great read. Sensing to play, developing. Found the open ice. Savard found him. Hawks are into the Western Conference Finals.
5: Welcome back. It's David Hall with Mark Grody. At this special 6-7 scores, hockey broadcast honoring Chris Chelios having his jersey number 7 retired. We are at Kaiser Tiger 1415 West Randolph on the second floor. Come and join us. We're going to be here until 3 o'clock. Thank you to MGM for all the hospitality and setting this all up. That was a goal from Chris Chelios combining with Dennis Savard. You know it was 90s. You know it was 90s hockey. Wow. That was pretty cool, Mark Grody. And Chris Chelios having the number 7 retired today. We got to. Connor Bedard shows up today to play the Red Wings wearing that jersey. Unbelievable! In, is it in black? Black yep. vintage Chris Chelios jersey with the C on the front, uh-huh. seven on the back. This kid not only has great awareness on the ice, but better awareness off it.
6: Oh yeah, he seems to have a real appreciation for the history of the game. A fan of the game, which makes sense considering where he's from and. What he's done his entire life, but I love—I am a sucker for that kind of stuff. I literally—I'm not saying this sarcastically. When I saw this video of Connor Bedard walking in with the number seven jersey, mm-hmm. with the captain, as you said, captain c on there, I got goosebumps. Goosebumps. <laughs> I was—I so, thought at first I thought it was. all right here's the question, huh You ready for this? Yep. You ready for I'm me? I'm ready. Ready for this? What would have been cooler? him walking in in the Kane jersey <laughs> or the Chelly jersey? I think, I think the, the
5: Chelly jersey is perfect. Because if you walk into the Kane jersey, you may rankle some teammates. You, you may have some people who might like, hey, how can you be like show that kind of respect to somebody we're going to try to stop? Plus, it and is Chelios's day. It's Chelios's day. Yeah. He understands the moment, the gravity of the situation. And if you wear Kaner's jersey, everyone here is entitled to, if you're a fan, I mean, break out the '88. I think that makes a lot of sense. Belfort. We've seen a lot. We got another Eddie Belfour representation was, uh, here, yeah. at Kaiser Tiger. That was Chelios' goalie. I just don't think that it would have been appropriate for Bedard to wear Kane's jersey. But Chelios, that was pitch perfect, and I think that tells you what kind of hockey savant Connor oh, Bedard yeah. is. He's a prodigy. He's a savant. He's a superstar in the making, if he isn't already. All right, we have talked to so many good people today. Uh, reflecting on Chris Chelios' career. Steve Larmer, Doug Wilson, Dale Talon, Steve Rosenblum. Now it's your turn. 312-644-6767. Call or text. Let us know what you remember most about Chris Chelios. Maybe you want to wonder uh, or weigh in on whose jersey should be retired next. We talked about Steve Larmer. Some people think it should be Duncan Keith. Other people might have a different opinion. Which Blackhawk do you think should have his number retired uh, first? And then, lastly... This is the big one, Grody. If you have a 98 Bedard jersey and an 88 Caner jersey and you're going to the United Center today, which one are you wearing? Mm-hmm. Which one are you pulling out of the closet? You can't wear both. You can't wear one on the front and one on the back. So let us know. 312-644-6767. We want to talk to you to see what you think. And let's start the conversation on our listener line brought to you by BetQL. Don is on the road. Good afternoon, Don. Thank you for calling the score.
1: Hey, boys, great show. It's good to have excitement back in hockey. Two quick points for you. You know, uh, it's interesting that when Kane got picked, if I recall, Kyle Turris was also in play as the number one pick. He ended up having a pretty mediocre career in the NHL, but he was a big right-handed center coming out of the juniors. So give Dale Tallon credit for that. And the second point I wanted to make is, You know, Stan Bowman, I believe, was the cap manager when all those contracts got filed late with the NHL, which cost the Blackhawks a lot of money. And I think that was kind of Dale Talon was the scapegoat as the McDonough Scotty Bowman power play started happening. So I I think, Grody, I wanted you to check the math on that.
6: Yeah. I think I think I I I will go back. And look, but I, th- and I think Bo- there was something, Bowman might have messed up something as well, but I do believe it was Dale Talent who got them in all that trouble because remember, it was a the, 12, the, the HOSA deal was a 12-year deal, and I understand why they had to do that, but it was after all of those teams, every year you were losing guys off of that roster. Unfortunately, I, I think it w- it w- there was some late filing by Dale Talent. I don't I think
5: this is revisionist history. I think this is what happened. If you go back to those days, when you look at what happened when Rocky Wirtz took over for his father when he passed away, and you look at what the Hawks became in the early years of John McDonough. John McDonough was a hospital corners type of guy and leader and executive. Dale Talon was an old-school hockey evaluator who probably as a general manager didn't always do things in the way that John McDonough wanted. It wasn't the type of direction the organization was headed. It was no longer going to be old school the way we've always done things. It was going to be like we're going to dot every I and cross every T. Stan Bowman has an accounting background. I mean, so this was somebody who came to the Hawks in that role. He ascended through the organization back in those days, and it was deemed he was ready because the Hawks needed to have that structure, that consistency that doesn 't necessarily diminish anything that Dale Talon did to put that team together. I, I said no, that what I meant I, he will always deserve credit for that first cup title, and then Stan Bowman probably had a bigger hand in all of the than the two others. but I think that what was going on there so the cap management is not a i don 't think it 's a flawed memory Grody i think you 're onto something yeah there,
6: there. There, there was there was something to that for sure, and I, I, I mentioned it because I think if you 're going to tell the story of Dale Talon. And how he didn't get to oversee all those, I think that you have to mention that. But at the same time, yeah, he drafted Kane and Taves, and to your point, he was different, is different from Stan Bowman in that he was—he's he, like more of, of the fans' GM. He's like, give me this guy, give yes. me, oh, give me, give me heart give me with the heart before the head. Yeah, yeah, ex- that's what he did, and Smart he had guy, that but mentality. Emotional guy. Exactly. So I, I don't fault him for that, but let's let's just be real about what went down and they you know it's not like you couldn't have kept Dale Talon despite that error if you want to call it that, but that has to be. And talked Dale about. went
5: to Florida and also had, you know, another bite at the apple, if you will, so it wasn't as if that was his last job. Absolutely. I wanna go back to the draft because we are obsessed with the draft here in Chicago. There's a I don't know if you heard Grody, but The the Bears are on the clock. Bears. Bears are on the clock in the NFL. Yes. So, this is their chance to have the number one overall pick. Caleb Williams or Drake May, or if they stay there, what quarterback will they take? It was referenced, Don referenced the 2007 NHL draft, and Patrick Kane and Kyle Turris were two of the biggest prospects available. Now, James Van Riemsdyk, was That's also drafted with the Flyers, yeah. number two. Because
6: his name was Van Riemsdyk. Yes, and there's of course. Another, there's the another The flying Van, Riems, Van Riemsdyk's. Riemsdyk's. Yeah, yeah
5: And true. you look at the Kane tourist debate, and I wonder if back in those days, from a hockey perspective, it was Caleb Williams, Drake May, or uh-huh. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Dale Talon made the right choice. So if you want to put it in the current-day context, yeah. in 2007. He could have gotten cute. He could have got cute. He could have been like, I need to prove that I'm the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. I'm going to impress all my hockey buddies. But he didn't. He took the obvious choice. It's a lesson that maybe Ryan Poles should revisit and think of. <laughs> he took Patrick Kane, and the rest literally is history. Oh,
3: yeah.
6: No, I mean, he, uh, Patrick Kane had the biggest goals in a Blackhawks uniform. Best ever. You know, absolutely. Abso- I mean, be- best ever yeah, I mean, that, that was the be- best ever goal, right? I mean, to win. The only Blackhawk that's ever won a Stanley Cup title with a goal.
5: Yes. That was They're it. still looking for the puck. Yeah, they're still looking where for the puck. Where is the puck? puck? God damn. If you could find the puck, three one two six forty four sixty seven <laughs> sixty seven. let us know where it is. Let's get back to the phone lines, Mark, because Dave is in Arlington Heights and he has a memory of Chris Chelius. Good afternoon, Dave. How are you? Dave.
1: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. That's right. I just uh, As a Blackhawk fan from the 80s, you know, I think there's the irony of ironies. You know the Bulls got lucky with Michael Jordan, the Blackhawks got lucky with Dennis Savard, and the Montreal Canadiens kicked themselves for taking Doug Wickenheiser. <laughs> ten years later,
3: Wickenheiser.
1: Ten years later, later Keenan was smart enough. Nobody liked him, but he was smart enough to play on the heartstrings of Montreal and get uh, Chris Chelios back. And then the all what happens? A nice pass from Savard to Chelios to end the Vancouver series and go to the, one of the best series was the 95 Detroit Red Wing Blackhawk, couple overtimes. I know you got a lot of callers, but man, that's what I remember.
5: Thanks, Dave. That's a
1: great memory.
6: That is. Yeah, I want to get more into the Wickenheiser stuff. But we can. I mean, we've talked so much about Chelios and Kane today. Wickenheiser finally what? come up. That's I mean, next maybe. Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I think That's Rosenblum. next Sunday's
5: tribute. Let's tell MGM. Let's do it again. This time, the Dick Wickenheiser. 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 Let's go back to the phone line. Steve is on the road. Steve, thank you for calling the score.
2: Hey, my memory. Hello?
6: Go ahead. Sorry, man. Go ahead.
2: Sorry, my memory of, uh, of uh,
3: Chris Chilio's is that uh, he's not the biggest guy in the world. I bumped into him at a hotel lobby, the Adams Park in St. Louis. They were down there to play the blues, and the, the, the Blackhawks' bus pulled up, and he's the first off, and I almost ran right into him accidentally. And we're looking at him. I'm looking him right in the eye, and he's like, I don't know, just 5'11", 190. He's still more like a golfer than a big, bruising defenseman. And I think it's, I mean,
5: am I wrong? It, no, it, you know. wrong. A monster.
6: Steve. Duncan or,
5: Keith, same. It's a great call, Steve. Yeah. Right now, I mean, Chelly looks like he's a surfer.
6: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, He was just like a, a smaller, at, you know. Perpetual ridiculously tan. At, yeah, Always tan. Always looking like a million yeah. bucks. Yeah. Man about town. Dirt little secret. Not, there's a lot of smaller hockey players. A lot of, like, like we just said, Duncan Keith was a small guy. Is a small guy.
5: Duncan Keith is not somebody you look at and you think immediately, Wow, that is the best defenseman in Blackhawk history. Right,
6: well, you don't look at Kane and say, Patrick wow. Patrick Kane is the
5: guy you look at and you say, wow, okay, show your ID, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ex- and, like, exactly. Until he started to lose his hair, he looked he like the youngest guy.
6: He, oh, until yeah. he hit 30, he well, was like
5: the y- most youthful-looking superstar in all of sports. It
6: felt like both Kane and Taves were both between 19 and 21 for 10 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like They were always ridiculously young. The, the, the difference young. was
5: – when Taze was interviewed, he was like nineteen going on forty, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Patrick Kane was twenty-five going on seventeen.
6: Oh my God, Captain Serious for sure. But. I wonder
5: if he will be here today. Taze? I know I, I saw Duncan Keith is in town. Yeah. He was at the game Friday night. Oh, that's awesome. I think that when you talk about Chelly's circle of friends, I wonder how wide that well, I mean, that could I mean it's it could be a number of different directions.
6: It's a good opportunity, and you know how these things they kind of turn. I mean, obviously this is centered on Chris Chelios, but they turn into mini reunion weekends it when does. you start to get other players here. I bet I bet there'll be some cool surprises. I mean, I'm gonna be watching this. And this. if Brent
5: Seabrook is here, I think the debate could be who's the best number seven in the building.
6: Oh my oh wow. <laughs> oh man, you would debate ooh, that? Ooh. You, I got a dagger. There. you would debate <laughs> Brent Seabrook and Chris Chelios and who was better on the overall. I don't know that I would debate it, but I do want to
5: look at a comparison when we come back. Our final okay. segment, our final shift, if you will, Grody. Oh, there you
6: Talking go. Talking hockey here, You're keeping good, it in the hockey man.
5: parlance. Mark Grody, David Haw here at Kaiser Tiger, 1415 West Randolph, bet MGM, throwing a party for Chris Chelios because his raft, his jersey's going into the rafters. At 315 over at the united center good old number seven we'll come back and wrap things up on 670 the score the most important thing to me was what my friends and family thought of me and how they perceived me as, as a person a teammate and a player i owe everything in my life to my family and my friends and this great game of hockey thank
4: you for the fans and the media also you were always fair to me And I always said that somehow I'd remain in hockey in some capacity. But if this is the last time that I'm ever standing front and center in this type of setting, I just want to say what a great ending. Thank you very much, everybody.
5: Welcome back. David Hall, Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio 6 the score at Kaiser Tiger at the celebration of Chris Chelios, whose jersey number seven will be retired at 315 just in a little bit over at the United Center. Thank you to MGM again for bringing us together today to celebrate the career of Chris Chelios. That was a terrific snippet out of his Hall of Fame speech. Somebody who never forgot where he came from, a guy who started out his hockey career when his mom bought a $5 pair of skates in Evergreen Park at the Ace Hardware, and he used to stuff you know, socks in them until they fit right, and then he was playing goalie with boots until he was, had a pair of skates, and then... The rest really became hockey history. He started mod- and modestly, and he's ending emphatically. And today he gets his just due, and I think that you can hear the emotion in his voice when he talked to him earlier. Chris Chelios, forever one
6: of the great Blackhawks. Well, and a guy who is – we always talk about players being – especially in football, You know, covering the Bears. you hear you got to be obsessed with football. you got to love football. Chris Chelios was, I'm just going to use the word obsessed. i mean I say loved because that man was playing, wasn't he 48 when he was still playing hockey? That man, at one point in time, decided to, you know what I'm going to do? Since I live in the area, I think I'll go play for the Chicago Wolves. And the Wolves are, the, they I were I remember the, going out there doing a column on that. <laughs> I bet you did. I, I did a column on Chris Chelios. What are you doing here?
5: <laughs> why, why, why are you still... What are you doing? Why are
6: you still skating? What... Yeah, right. So he was obsessed. I think that that's the right. And of course, he loved hockey, too. But that's an interesting part of the psychology. I mean, and the guests that we've had on today have been excellent. But, you know, just like getting to the bottom of a guy who would not put it away. And he did. He did play. The Atlanta Thrashers eventually did call him up and he played at the, the age of 48. But I mean, outstanding legacy and a guy who just like truly you know, wasn't disingenuous. Loved hockey, was obsessed
2: with it. Maniacal pursuit. Maniacal. Of That's such a good that word. That was
5: the way that he approached each and every season, each and every shift, each and every off season day when he would work out by throwing the exercise bike in the sauna and just <laughs> to burn some calories. <laughs> I love also, that. Also, what concept. I've always respected about Chris Chelios, getting to know him a little bit more and talking to him on a regular basis every week on the Mullion Haw show, thanks to MGM as his, the ambassador, he is a family guy. And he's a guy that obviously family mattered a lot more to him Uh, as he grew through his career. He talked about wanting to be in Detroit because it was close to Chicago as one of his family members went through cancer. His family um, now with Kaylee and his sons, uh, it just is very important to him to come back to Chicago. When he says he never forgot where he came from, that is true, and you know it by the way that he lives his life. So we can have 300 friends and be performing with Cindy Crawford on a Saturday night and Eddie <laughs> Vedder, and you're going to see Wayne Gretzky there today. But no matter how famous he is and how much a man about town he becomes, it's always about everything starting at home for him.
6: Yeah, no, I, I think it's very cool. He, it, he is one of us, you know what I mean? Yeah. He is a Chicagoan. I know that obviously starting his career in Montreal, we've barely even talked about the significance of him going to the Blackhawks when he was, you know, traded from Montreal to the Blackhawks for the great Dennis Savard. Um, and at the time, like Dennis Savard, you know, we talk about. Very, I know nobody's Patrick Kane, ha, huh, but Dennis Savard was really popular. Mr. Spinnerama Mr. Spinnerama He had the flashes. Absolutely he had the explosive. He plays. is wi- a wildly popular. Blackhawk to this day so even the intrigue with, with how Chelios got to the Blackhawks and then how he was traded to Detroit and I know it was with his okay but you know, he got his he ended up getting his three NHL titles. Too bad none of them were with the Blackhawks. This is
5: no disrespect to Chris Chelios who we just spent the last three hours honoring but it does, we talked about Brent Seabrook also wore number seven when I see, Brent, when I see number hmm. seven you do eventually get there He played 1,114 games for the Blackhawks. He was part of three Stanley Cup champions, and he was one of the more underrated leaders in that dressing room. And I always felt like a little bit overlooked because he played on the – he was paired with Duncan Keith. He was uh, on a team with Taze and Kane. He was with Corey Crawford, who was the guy you could not win without. Brett Seabrook was the easiest guy to not give credit to, mm-hmm. not saying that he necessarily deserved to have his jersey retired, but he spent from 2005 until 2020 in a Blackhawk uniform. That's not to be forgotten. at a day we're all going to gaze at number seven and remember the greatness
6: of Chris Kelly. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Duncan Keith was great. And Brent Seabrook was really good. Yes. He was really good player. And, you know, some nights he was better than uh, than Duncan Keith. Look, Duncan Keith was outstanding. I mean, Defensive Player of the Year, what, twice, I think two or three times in his career. So, you know, it's it's tough when you play with a guy like that to get the attention. But I do think, you know, and having watched so many of, of Brent Seabrook's games, he always got the right amount. I mean, he wasn't nobody. You know what I mean? Brent Seabrook <laughs> was a core player for the Blackhawks' titles. Like, he wasn't an extra. He was a core he guy, was, and he was really good. He just wasn't as good as Duncan Keith and not as good as Chris Chelios. We get a lot of feedback on the text line, Grody. Somebody
5: said that this sounds like it's the in-memoriam segment.
6: Chris Chelios alive <laughs> and well, <laughs> yeah, looking yes. like a million bucks, too. Yeah, yeah, Great move.
5: Tan. He's fit. Yeah, he can get like well,
6: out and take a shift. Turn on the radio. Why are they reminiscing about why? Why is Chris Chelios trending right now? <laughs> no, he's absolutely okay right now. Seabrook was a little bigger than those guys yes. too. Like Seabrook, knock you around. Not that Chelios would knock seven. you around. 8-4-7. Chelios
5: never won anything in Chicago. Seabrook is the better number seven, no question. Well, that, I How about mean, that? that? those are the people I'm speaking to. Hey, that, the modern day
6: Blackhawk fan. Absolutely fair. They're there. Absolutely fair. No, I mean, like I said. Really good, really good defenseman who did win three titles, and he was a reason why they won. Like he wasn't a bit player, he wasn't a late acquisition. He was a, co- he was, hey, he was there when the Blackhawks were a joke in this town, and so was Duncan Keith for that matter. When you go over to the United Sound, there'd be five or six thousand fans. That that little blip. In you know the early 2000s, they weren't on television. They were off the radar. They were the definition
5: of irrelevant.
6: Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were the White Sox. Oh no, it was terrible. I mean, I remember. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) White Sox. It's not 5:30 in the morning. I I mean, it was very easy to get Blackhawks tickets then, and there's literally five to six thousand people. And this is not that long ago. I remember one of my beats when I was at WBBM was the Blackhawks. This was the Mike Smith. GM era, Brian of the Sutters was the head coach. And Which Sutter was that? Yeah, that was Brian of the Sutters. Did you know all of them? Uh, I, I did not know all of them, but Brian Sutter stared me down one time. He and I did not see, actually we did see eye to eye, but it was his eyes just breaking through mine at the time. But, he, you know, they, they got better at that, you know, eventually, but those guys were there for some horrible years too.
5: Mark, it has been a pleasure to sit here and talk hockey with you for three hours. We don't do it a lot on the score, but this was definitely worthwhile we got a lot of people to thank before we get out of here, starting with MGM, the sponsor. Terrific show, terrific venue. Thank you very much. Also to Kaiser Tiger, great food and drink, guys. Yeah, Kaiser thank you so much too. for being gracious hosts. And the crowd is heading over to the United Center soon. It was busy in here, and this was a terrific experience. Of course, Mitch Rosen, our guy, you, vice Mitch. president of the score. Yeah, he definitely kept track and wanted us to keep on pace and yeah. on schedule.
6: And this is his idea, right? You forgot to say hi to his buddy Dale Town. That's I was on doing you. That's on you, man. Okay, thank you for pointing that out,
5: Grody. Well, no, he asked me, me to do you it too. Say the quiet part out loud. That's why I love you, <laughs> Ryan Porth. Thank you for Porth. being here, hockey yeah. guy, hockey fan. Even though you love the Preds, I still think you're worth uh, having here. So, yeah, Ryan thanks, Porth, Ryan. No, Ryan set. did a lot of. Brandon lot, Fryer, uh, a producer extraordinaire. Fry guy, say less. Oh my gosh, Brandon Fryer. Without him, I don't think we would be on here. Leo Stoddard, the Hope associate producer. Chris Tannehill, the sultan of sound or something
6: like that. Yeah, Tanny. Tanny, by the way, said that on the second Frank Thomas home run yeah. in Oakland, that there was sort of a sarcastic boo out there. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but Tannehill was there. And, yes, so there was to confirm the the you know we're talking about a relation to you, you, what if Kane scores? Is that goals your today? Google
5: Tannehill's memory? Well, he was listening, I mean, really? man. He was, I, I oh
6: you don't believe that was a long time ago. You don't trust I don't Tannehill? I was there. What? I was there. Okay,
5: then you I should remember it for the Chicago well, Tribune. Why well, well, was don't there Tannehill over me? I was there. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Tanny, and also Dustin Rhodes, uh, the executive producer yeah. of the Mully and Haw show, did a lot to get the guests lined up. Did a lot behind the scenes. When thank you to everybody for making this really a worthwhile experience. If you're a hockey fan, today is great to be in Chicago at the United Center and you want to get there. And you want to get there fast, guys, yeah, you guys are, they're going to start the ceremony
6: at 3.15. I could have done the last 10 minutes of the show. I know, I know you guys are running over so. there right now. I could have taken you care so. of this. Right? i got a lot of friends here right now. We're not now, out of so, here yet, yeah. though.
5: We want to thank you. We're going to get out of here. But while we do and scurry over to the UC a few blocks away, you want to listen to this put together by Brandon Fryer, a tribute to Chris Chelios, the Blackhawk, who has his jersey number seven, retired at 315 today. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you Monday morning on the Haw Show, 530 to 10. You've been listening to David Haw and Mark Grody on 670 to score. And on defense, the 1989 North Trophy winner from Chicago,
0: Illinois, one of your own, from the Chicago Blackhawks, number seven, Chris Kelly-O. A rousing
5: ovation for the native of Chicago, a member of the Blackhawks and an all-star first neighbor, Chris Chelios. An
4: NHL record, no team has ever won 11 straight playoff games until now, and the Blackhawks will make their first appearance in the Stanley Cup Finals in 19 years. Mike Keenan told me yesterday that Chris Chelios in the playoffs has played as well as any defenseman that he has ever coached. Chelios scores! Marasso got a piece of it, but not enough. Power play goal by Chelios winner for the Norris Award goes to, I don't know this guy, Chris Chelios. Chelios the shot, he scores! Chris Chelios! What can he do as a captain to provide some offense? Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Chelios in overtime after the sub into the Western Conference
1: Finals. Chris Chelios is not human. Three-time
4: Stanley Cup winner, a three-time Norris Trophy winner. Not only will he go in the Hall of Fame,
2: I think he should go in the Smithsonian. Please welcome Chris Chelios, inducted into the
4: Hockey
6: Hall of Fame. I owe everything in my life to my family, my friends, and this great game of hockey. What a great ending! Thank you very much, everybody.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month.
2: New iPhone 15s? It's better over
0: here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month, with eligible trade-in when you switch.